1: You are listening to Tennis Channel Live, the podcast, on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We've got the game, the names, and the insight you need to stay covered on all the courts.
2: All right, now on the Tennis Channel Live podcast, on their show this week. Big one for you as we get ready for some tennis in the desert. The first Masters 1000 event of the year. Ian Dunn in the studio for the first time. Ian, thanks for joining the TC Live podcast. Thanks for having me, Mitch. And uh, on the phone, we have a special guest this week as well to preview all the action. Won 30 titles in her career spanning over 16 years in 1979. Became the youngest U.S. Open champion ever. Number one in the world in nineteen eighty second U.S. Open title in 1981. Thank you for joining the TC Live podcast, Tracy Austin.
3: Hey there, guys. How are you?
2: We're doing great, and I know uh, this is a great time of year for all of us. Ian raves about this tournament all, all, all year round, really. He just never <laughs> shuts up about it. But Indian Wells is coming, and we, uh, we figured we'd have an expert here to preview, preview the event. And uh, I'll just start with this, Tracy. This is quickly becoming, I say quickly in tennis terms in the last decade plus, the uh, destination, the spot that not just the fans, but the players really want to play and play well in.
3: Absolutely. You have all the top players from both the ATP and the WTA Tour. The weather is beautiful. Everybody, You feel the start of spring start to come into play, where the weather is between, what, 75? Sometimes it'll get up to 90 at Indian Wells. uh, Larry Ellison, who owns the tournament, has done such a great job of improving it every single year, whether it's beautiful players' field, that the fans can get up close and personal and see the – the players train and play soccer sometimes. Uh, you know, the great restaurants that are Indian well, at Indian Wells. But I think overall, it's, it's the great weather, the relaxed atmosphere, and the outstanding field of players that they're able to attract.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the best tournaments of the year. I mean, I, I've been working at the past five years, and it's one of my favorites on the tour just because the atmosphere is wonderful. I mean, the weather's nice. The people are really happy. The fans really come out and show up, and it's just got a different feel to a lot of other tournaments on the tour for me. I enjoy going. Well, you see all the best players mm-hmm.
3: too. You see all the best players, and how about the practice courts for the fans to be able to get up close and personal? You've got Rafa Nadal literally fifteen feet away from you if you you know if you get there early enough and you and you get a good court. Um, so, and also, oftentimes because it is the first kind of outdoor, hard court tournament, the ball flies in Indian Wells, uh, you know, the atmosphere is a little bit different. You'll see some of the top players play double. And I yeah. like that early stages, the first four or five days, where you can't get in those outside stadiums because everybody wants to see those big-name <laughs> players play together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just a little history on this on this tournament. actually started way back when in 1974-75 in Tucson, Arizona, is where this tournament started. Wow. Moved around California, a little bit of an upgrade. Sorry to all From the people. Tucson? Sorry yeah, to all the people in Tucson. I might have just <laughs> offended, but it's been an in Indian Wells since 1987, and uh, this Tennis Garden, built in 2000, like Tracy said, is just a, a remarkable place and uh, keeps getting better and better. And, and Tracy, looking at the season too, this is a month of March. There's no, there's no majors. It's an interesting time though because you have two hardcore tournaments right before clay court season, and they're both worth 1,000 points. They're week week and a half long tournaments. What, what's the mindset for the player going into this? Because there's a lot of points, a lot of money at stake for for something that is such a short mini-season.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you want to have a great month because it is a month on outdoor hardcore where everybody in the at, is playing against each other. Everybody wants to play these tournaments because, as you said, lots of points, lots of money. Um, you know, it's called the Sunshine Double. Very different atmospheres between the two in the fact that, that I, As I mentioned, Indian Wells, the ball flies a little bit more. Um, and the courts are slow. The courts are gritty. Uh, I think that players have been able to accomplish the Sunshine Double because there is that time in between to recover. They have those four, five, six days before they have to play in Miami. Uh, so it, it's, when you look at this year, I think that Novak actually has a, a good opportunity to accomplish the Sunshine Double. But uh, what's also fun is you'll see players that will lose in Indian Wells and they might hang around and, and practice because they have that extra time before, before Miami starts. But players that get on a streak now, it kind of sets them up for the spring and, and what's to come. Really really important time of the year.
1: Yeah, definitely. It seems like such a good starting point for the rest of the season for a lot of these players. Uh, one thing, Tracy, do you have any memories of Indian Wells in Miami that you'd like to share with us? Any good times? Any not-so-good times?
3: interesting uh most of my most of my memories because i've been doing commentary so long come come from doing the commentary particularly with with tennis channel but uh, i was making a comeback and i had uh, what i thought at the time was was a good win at uh the old the old stadium at, at the grand hyatt so that was uh that was good but you know, most of my most of my thoughts now are, are more about the current players that, that are playing and calling. Maybe the Andrescu final last year, or mm-hmm. the Osaka final the year before, where they made those huge breakthroughs and kind of unexpected breakthroughs.
2: Definitely, yeah, yeah. Well, this is and you mentioned Andrescu. This is an interesting time because we talk about all the all the players that want to play that show up. The, the, this gets the stars. Everybody comes out. Two big names not playing. Roger Fetter, who was a champion uh, a couple years ago. Was in the last two finals where he came up short. He's out until the grass court season. We're not sure about Andrescu. Last thing we heard is that she's going to try to play, but there's been no official announce. There's been no official announcement yet on the Andrescu front. Tracy, she's been, you know, on a she went on a tear last year in very little tournaments. She won the tournament as a wild card. I know it's hard to speculate if we're going to see her, but I'm just unsure what kind of level we will see whenever she does start playing.
3: It was interesting last year because she won Indian Wells kind of out of nowhere. We started the year well outside the top 100. And then to, to ramp it up to that level where she was able to win a huge title like that, seemingly very confidently, you know, just to, it seemed like she felt very comfortable. And then she struggled with the shoulder issues for, for most of the year. But then when she was able to come back, between the French and in Toronto, she did not play and then came in Toronto and won the title Then wins the U.S. Open. Doesn't seem to to need that many matches under her belt to get right up to speed. Um, But the injuries are worrisome because as we all know in the tennis world, it was her knee that she hurt at the WTA finals. And uh, she hasn't, hasn't come back. She says that she doesn't want to take any risks. Then she needs a few more days to kind of evaluate to see where she is. She is in Indian Wells training. Hopefully she can play because she is so exciting. She's still so young. I think she can be a dominant force on the tour with her game style. I I, I love it. It's very creative. Uh, It's very athletic. Uh, She's an incredible mover. Uh, She's really a thinker out there on on the court and so much variety and and mental toughness. So I hope that the fans get to see defending champion Andrescu because uh, she's got a a very exciting and interesting game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the more impressive stories last year was her, you know, winning against <clears throat> against Serena in Toronto. Obviously Serena pulled out there, but to back that up with a US open title for someone so young and like you said, came out of nowhere at the beginning of the year. I think she yep. made the Auckland final and we were all like, Who who is this player? Uh-huh. You know? like, and, I remember that. Yeah, so so just to to get her back on tour I think is good for the game because we need those types of players we need the champions the people that can go out and have yeah. confidence and win
2: well and, and Tracy too I mean this tournament especially on the women's side has been building stars the last couple of years we've seen Osaka win as an unseeded player before she won her two grand slams and Drescu wins then wins the U.S. Open as well so I almost you know we want to see her back but that's also the intrigue of this tournament is that this could be an opportunity in 2020 for the men's side too but also the women that whoever wins this could set them up for a great year where they're suddenly in the conversation to win some majors.
3: And as we know, the last few years, women's tennis is wide open. Did we any of us expect to see Kennan win the Australian Open <laughs> by beating Muguruza in the finals? If you had that,
2: <laughs> yeah. you
3: need to go to Vegas today. Ian wouldn't, Ian was, wouldn't uh, be here
2: right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly, because we, we talked about it uh, on Tennis Channel before the Australian, that there were maybe 10, 12 players uh, that had a possibility – to take the Australians because there's so much depth and there aren't the one, two, or three dominant players at the top of the game. But Kennan wasn't in that in that category for me. So that gives other players that are ranked 15, 20, whatever, Rivatina maybe, that feeling that, hey, why not me? And I think that uh, makes it intriguing.
2: Absolutely. Tennis Channel live podcast here with Tracy Austin, as well as Ian Dunn in the studio, talking Indian Wells and Tracy on that same topic about the women's game, having some unpredictability, some variety. We're almost, I mean, we're still at a point where we're looking for somebody perhaps to take the mantle. I look at someone like Simona Halep and, and, you know, winning Dubai, did not play Doha. Would you say she's the most consistent player or the most, if there is such a thing on the women's game, the surest thing to bring her level week in, week out?
3: Yeah, I would not say sure thing in women's tennis with anybody right now. I, I and that's not a crit, a criticism. Mm-hmm. It's just because everybody seems to be winning. I and mean, you look at all the champions from this year. From Barty's won a title, uh, you know, Kennan won the Australian Open. Burton's won a title. Hallep, as you said, she did win Dubai. You mentioned that Sabalenka. That was a great match beating Kvitova in in the finals of of Doha. But there is not that one player. The one player that's probably won the most matches this year is Rybakina. She's won one title and three other finals. And we didn't know that much about her at the beginning of the year. She's really beautiful to watch. She's a fluid ball striker, you know, clean and to the corners, very accurate, even temperament. I'm curious to see how she plays at, at Indian Wells, because I don't think too many people want to see her name near their, near them in the draw because she has so much confidence coming in.
1: Yeah, she's forgotten how to lose on any day not named Sunday, really. It's, it's been impressive to watch her <laughs> week in and week out just keep beating everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, she's got a great game. Uh, I'm interested, Tracy, what you think the first half MVPs are. I know we're not halfway through the season, but maybe the first two months of the year, I, I would think Rybakina's is probably in there. But on the women's side, at least, what, what would you think is the MVP? Well,
3: I'm going to go with Kennan. Uh, when you look at her results, in the other tournaments and she's played quite a few besides the Australian Open. She hasn't gone besides the own. Now she hasn't gone that deep. Uh, But I tell you what, when you win your first major and you win a major and we're so early in the season, I'm going to give it to Kennan And then I'm going to say Rybikina because she's won so many matches. It's very tough to, to pick somebody outright because it's not like, we're in the era where Serena was dominating or Dustin Ennis was dominating. It's, yeah. it's very, very tough to pick.
2: Yeah, and uh, I agree with you, Tracy, on Kenan. Also yesterday, I thought we saw something cool that went under the radar in that match she had in Lyon against uh, Christiane, I think is how you pronounce it. She was down. She had lost a couple matches. We know we always talk about how hard it is to bounce back after that first major where it's a life-changing moment. You have extra media. You have all this extra pressure. You're not under the radar anymore. She actually fought back, won that match. She's doing well in Leon today. So I think, yeah, the, the major puts it over the top. There's still a lot to discuss uh, and a lot to debate and see what happens on the court for who will be the player of the year in 2020 on the women's side.
3: I do think that she needs to watch her schedule. She went straight from the Australian Open over to Washington to play Fed Cup and then straight back to the Middle East to play both of those tournaments. Uh, now she's in France. You know, I think you the demands on your time, uh, as we've seen from you know, other champs, past champions that have won a major for the first time, actually, for myself, I, I could say the same thing. All of a sudden, everybody wants you, which is great, but you have to start somehow carve out some time where you're just you. You get to relax. You get to recover. Hennon hasn't had a chance to do that, so somebody on her team has got to kind of help her to pull back And even if she gets a lot of offers with guarantees or more media, you've got to have some time to recover mentally and physically. So she's very young. I hope that happens.
2: Uh, Tracy, on the men's side, seems like a two-horse race in terms of who's had the best start. Djokovic, I mean, he's forgotten to lose Ian on any day of the week. <laughs> I think that, that's clear to say 18-0 and on the season. And Rafa, one Acapulco. These two players are playing at a high level. We say it, it seems like Groundhog Day year in, year out. But hard to believe that they've widened the gap between the rest of the field as much as they have.
3: It really is. And to me, there's no doubt who it is. It's- it's Novak, you know, 18-0, and 0, as you said, and he just seems to be gaining momentum. The fact that he's, was he 32 now? And he even talked about it when he won Dubai, about trying to stay undefeated, possibly even the rest of the season. Could he win the calendar year Grand Slam? you looking at the, the top three, it's so different on the men's side. Obviously, Roger out with a, with a knee surgery, but we just have to really sit back and appreciate and admire respect what these guys have done for 15 years for a decade and a half they've been able to be consistent they have been able to stay motivated to get up every day and want to improve because the game moves on every five years everybody gets better so to still have that that desire and that commitment to stay at the top and really not any lot of not let anybody kind of come through and that the Dominique team is now 26 and is there of the Sitsipas is the uh, the curios, all these guys that might be trying to, to move through, they just can't catch fire because the guard at within the top three, it's just incredible. And even Novak at 32 to be undefeated, as you said, 18 and 0 at the beginning of the year and just seems to want more is, uh, outstanding.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been impressive. You think, you know, maybe five years ago, well, maybe Fed won't be here in 2020. You know, Nadal will be old. He's put a lot of miles on his body. Djokovic, you don't know if he's going to stay healthy. But they're still here. They're still winning. It's so impressive to me that they've kind of stopped two generations now from winning a major and becoming these champions. Mm -hmm. I mean, the team is probably going to get one at some point just because of his his level of play. You know, he almost won Australia this year. I think it's been impressive to see the Jokers, the Nadals, the Feds create this lost generation, as we've kind of been calling it, with Rounich and, and Team and all these other guys that are around 26, 27 years old.
3: The lost generation is Rounich, Dimitrov, and Corey, I think. Cause those yeah. are the guys I think would have pushed through and maybe done more, been able to, to nab a grand slam or you know, get to more finals. But they are completely, they are the lost generation. That's not going to happen now, I don't think. Yeah. Now, I do believe that this next generation coming through, they're just going to have to bide their time until these yeah. <laughs> guys, you know, get older and, and retire or, or start to fall off a bit. And that's even difficult because of the wall that the top three have put up.
2: Certainly is. Uh, and Tracy, you said something interesting earlier I want to go back to that you think Djokovic, understandably so, is, is primed to make a run at the Sunshine Double, which hasn't happened much. He's done it before. But if you look he's at the reason he's done it four times. In recent history yeah. though, for whatever reason, Djokovic and Rafa to different to different uh, extents, have had uh, some hiccups here. Novak won it three straight years, won Indian Wells three straight years, but hasn't made a quarterfinal since he he went on that run. Rafa hasn't made the final since his three titles, uh, since his last of his third titles. A lot of it due to injury. Last year couldn't play in that semifinal match against Roger. We uh, we were all sad to not see that match take place. But do you think that was just rare occurrences? Do you think it was injuries, some bad luck, or is there something to maybe their struggles at Indian Wells recently?
3: I don't think so. I think, you know, what's so sad is we put them to such a high standard that if they don't get to the finals or win all the time, that's, and that those are the expectations that they've become accustomed to deal dealing with. And they handled them beautifully. Yeah. As you mentioned, Rafa last year with the knee injury could not compete against Roger. Um, and Roger seems to play so well that that guy seems to be taking the, the Indian Wells title. So I think they both have uh, won so many times and, it's Novak who's won five times. I think he's tied with Federer for the most. Rafa loves playing at Indian Wells. He stay, stays with Larry Ellison. He's got that 19-hole golf course at Larry's house that he gets to play on every day.
1: Oh, that's not <laughs> and, bad.
3: <laughs> yeah, and have a, and have a, a, a good time there. Uh, comes early, plays in Mexico, and has lots of days to come and enjoy the, the California sunshine. So I expect big things from them. And as you said, Rothco that one loss, the quarters against Team, who played so well in Australia. Um, I, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see how Team defends a Masters one thousand. That I'm not sure that a lot of us thought that, that was gonna be his masters first Masters one thousand would be on hard court, but he played just beautifully in the finals against Roger.
2: He certainly did, and what a perfect segue because we are going to talk about team right now. We actually have a sound clip from him uh, getting ready to defend that title, while uh, while Ian looks to make a tee time on Larry Ellison's <laughs> golf course. Uh, here's Dominic. <laughs> here, here's Dominic team now on winning that first title last year, uh, unprecedented, really unexpected even for him. What it means to win that title and uh, what it means to be playing in the era with the big three. Here now is Dominic team on the TC Live podcast. I
4: was missing something with that Masters 1000 title. So I'm super happy that I have it in my pocket. Nobody can ever take it away from me. And second of all, back then uh, it came very surprisingly because I had a terrible start to the season, was not playing my best game. And then I come there and win the tournament, which was absolutely incredible. Um, Beating Roger in the finals, of course, it's it's always a very special thing. And then Indian Wales, which is nowadays probably the the biggest of all the Masters 1000 Tournament. To have the trophy, to have won the title there, it's something very special. And I'm really happy that I'm, well, forever there as a, as a guy who won the tournament there. I think that, it, that we are super lucky to fall into that generation where three best players of all time are playing in the, in the same decade or in the same period. We can play so many matches against them that we can also that we also have the chance to beat them and i think that also uh, big titles in in this period of times probably they they count a bit more than than they counted before or they will count after these three guys stopped.
2: Lot, lot to break down there in that Dominic team sound. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he appreciates the tournament Tracy itself and any Wells. He righted his season that started with that early crash out at the 2019 Aussie Open, but also that he appreciates playing against the best ever. And we well, saw it at the Australian Open this year that he lost the final. He wants to beat those guys. So team definitely has the right attitude. And, and I, along with many, was shocked that this was his breakthrough last year.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, you have to have that attitude to play in this generation. The one word that stood out to me was lucky. He feels lucky to play in this generation. That's, uh, I think, it, I would call it tough and, and difficult because they don't, uh, they're kind of greedy and they don't give you much. But that's that's the attitude that you need uh, to have. And talking about Indian Wells, I think the courts really suit Dominique's game as far as they're a little slower than normal for hard courts. They're high bouncing. so. They're similar to the clay, which, of course, is his favorite surface. And last year, before Indian Wells, he started working with Nicholas Massu and he made a couple of tactical changes, had Dominique move closer to the baseline. And I think that was really important because Dominique has a really great serve, a kick serve, a huge forehand, uses a slice effectively so that he doesn't give opponents a rhythm. And the grittiness of the court at Indian Wells really helps. All of that, but moving close to the baseline, hitting hard, the combination of the two, it, it really puts an opponent off balance.
1: Yeah, it, it's been interesting to see his rise in the last, you know, 12 months. I, I, I thought it was really interesting after the Australian Open when he was saying, I'm no longer happy to be here. Like, I feel like I'm close. And, and just to see his demeanor on court, like he, he didn't think, oh, this is going to be my last time to be in a final. He's expecting to make runs at these big tournaments now. He feels like he can Without beat, a doubt. yeah, he feels like he can beat all these players, and it's just been fun to watch a guy have that much confidence in, like he said, the era with maybe the best three players of all time. So it's been cool to, for him to have that mindset because I know if it was me, I'd be terrified every time I stepped on the court with these guys. And I, that's that's why I'm working here and not playing tennis. Mm.
3: But but we know you, Panda. We know you. We love you. <laughs> oh, thank and you. We love you. Yeah, but you know it's, the beginning early stages of, of team's career we all thought of him as, as a clay quarter and, and getting to the finals of the french and his breakthrough would be at the french and i still think that would be a huge possibility to win that title and and for years to come maybe when rafa finally retires. but the fact of the matter in that final he was up two sets to one uh, against novak and novak looked like he was struggling physically um you know you're thinking okay maybe he's going to get team is going to get his first major on hard courts, uh, eventually lost 6-4 in the fifth, and like you said, I think he is in the mindset now of, I can beat these guys. I think beating Roger at Indian Wells for his first Masters 1000 on hard courts, so I was actually lucky enough to sit in the box right behind the court, and you know maybe four or five rows up, and I say that just because you're right at the level of the players. To see his team smack the ball, to hit the ball with authority, he doesn't take much off on any of his shots and he's such an athlete. He's so fit. You feel like he could go forever. But when he's set and on balance and even when he's not set he can go to the slight. Uh it was it was phenomenal to watch that ability and and that talent come through in in a tight three setter against Roger in the Indian wells Finals.
2: Yeah, the fitness level stands out to me as well. Uh, we started to see it, I think it was that 2018 match against Rafa at the U.S. Open where he went five sets with him, wasn't backing down. And, and even in the Aussie Open match against Rafa that he beat him in this year, it was a look that Rafa had where he's like, I know this guy's going to be here. He's not going to yeah. fade late. Uh, we'll see. I mean, and it set his it set his schedule up, as he said, for a good year. The French Open final ATP finalist uh, beat Djokovic in that tournament. So, Like you said, Ian, he's not just happy to be here. He wants to beat those big three because he knows, resume-wise, that looks a lot nicer winning a tournament over those guys than anybody else. Well, Tracy, uh, other players in that men's draw? Because we we mentioned Federer being out. That's going to open up the draw, making the finals all those times winning a bunch of tournaments. Rafa and Djokovic, obviously, favorites along with team. But there's other opportunities on the men's side. Sitsapas is a player that's playing well coming off that uh, disappointing performance at the Aussie Open. He's played well recently on hard court. Zverev has seemed to find uh, a lot of his game back. Who are some of the other men's players that you think can make a deep run this year at Indian Wells?
3: You know, how about how about Feek? I really mm. enjoyed watching him play this year. He's won a couple of titles he just seems like a different player to me mentally. He's committed. You know, I feel like so often before it was, I you know, I'm entertaining, I'm enjoying this, and if I win, I win. But I feel like when he was talking after one of the trophy ceremonies, he said, you know what, and he looked at his team, and he said, this is more to come. He just doesn't seem satisfied. And I think at 33, it's really kind of kicking in, that he needs to buckle down. He doesn't want to retire someday and feel like he didn't, Maximize his potential because we know the talent level that he has. You know he's got a big serve, he's got a big forehand. Uh, he he can cover the court beautifully. The court's a little bit slower, Indian Wells. He's got that heavy top spin on the forehand that he can use to bounce that ball up high. So I'm I'm looking for Monte. How about Rublev? Rublev's had a, a great year already. Yep, yep. Uh, Felix got to the finals of a recent tournament. I think it's Marseille. Yep. I, I just love his game. He's so young, so give him time. But I'm waiting for a. a a big, big breakthrough from Felix. Opelka, I'm, uh, the ball's going to kick up. How much higher can his serve kick up? And at Indian Wells, that's, that's going to help him. He won, he won Del Rey. Medvedev, he kind of had a hot, hot start to the year. He's cooled off a bit, but he, I mean, heck, that guy had, how many finals did he get to? I think it was nine finals last year uh, for Medvedev. So he's been playing extremely well. I think he covers the court beautifully for a guy six foot six, Medvedev, is still able to. Hit through the ball and through the court with his with his uh, flat ground stroke. So a lot a lot to unpack on the men's side and very exciting.
1: Yeah, I think it's been interesting to watch Monfils kind of step it up this year. For so long, he's the guy that had all the trick shots and he could you know make you hit one more ball. But he seemed maybe not to believe that he could win the the big matches. Yep. Uh, you know, he's pushed Djokovic a few times in majors, and you know that's always a tough out. But Monfils. I think in 2016 or 17 he had a big run in the US hard courts where he won DC and you know made it deep in a couple other tournaments. It's it's like you said been very nice to see him kind of yeah. bring it all back in and focus and realize, you know, this this could be it. Like I I've got to make moves now because who knows my health in the future. He I mean, feels like yeah. he he's got more in the tank and it's been really interesting to see these players after 30 years old continue to rise up the rankings and play their best tennis. This is the first time we've really seen this on the men's side, and I think you can point, you know, to Federer and Nadal and Djokovic as yeah. the guys that have said, "Hey, I, you know, I can still play." It used to be thirty years old; you're, you know, you're so done. Yeah, you No one's won a major after thirty years old. So, I think a lot of these older players have much more confidence that they can keep playing and find their best tennis.
2: Yeah, and I also, I Absolutely. also think too that keep uh, going back to what Team said. It got his season right. He was he wasn't really expecting to win as a results base based on how he was playing. So I think this is a tournament where if you round into form, you get hot, you play well. I mean, any one of those names Tracy said can make a deep run and ultimately get to a semi-final, possibly be on the doorstep of winning. So this is this is still early enough in the season and big enough to where if you win this one, you're you're looking pretty good going forward.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And for Monfils, just to finish him up, just to be, the look on his face is different than he was playing before. You know, he looks mm-hmm. determined. He's just taking it more professionally. And a question, could this be the Spitalina effect? Oh. I mean, they are so, yeah, she is such a professional and she is such an intense competitor. Um, maybe she's helped him.
1: That's a great call, Tracy.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know it, it, it's very, very possible. The
1: Svitolina effect. I like that. She
2: is just she is just a positive <laughs> influence. It would appear. Uh, Tracy Austin Ian Dunn on the Tennis Channel Live podcast here with myself Mitch Michaels going forward on the women's side. We we have to talk about uh, the draw and one player in particular, Tracy. Serena Williams, we're not sure what kind of level she's going to bring to the table. She's only been playing this event, uh, resumed playing this event for a few years now. And the results have been, uh, a very unfortunate times, uh, retirement last year in her match against Carbini Muguruza. She's not getting any younger. She knows that she could play at a high enough level, but based on what we saw at the Aussie open, the upset early, the fed cup performance, that was a little uneven. Tracy, what are you expecting from Serena at Indian Wells?
3: I don't know. I really don't. I, I- I never know what to expect from Serena because coming into this year, it seemed like she had such a committed, productive offseason. Really excited for 2020, thinking that Serena was going to get number 24, her 24th major. She won Auckland. She hadn't won a tournament in, what, three years? Yeah. And so got that off of her back. She was looking good in the first couple of rounds. And then in the third round against Wang Kiong, who she beaten one in love at the U.S. Open in 2019, we thought that was going to be a, another walkthrough for, for Serena, and she loses in three sets. Once Serena got that second set and won it, I thought, okay, now she can loosen up, she can play with freedom, and she can win that third set. Surprisingly, she did not. Her target, she just wasn't finding her target. She was making too many unforced errors, her first serve, which usually can just pull her out of many predicaments wasn't something that she could just count on when she needed it which for all of her career she has had she wasn't moving quite as well as she was um at at the peak of her career and i think overall um i I just have to say it i think others believe when they walk on to court they're not quite as intimidated Mm -hmm. so but we always have to put serena in the conversation that she can win Um, so Always exciting to have Serena back in Indian Wells. Yes. At thirty eight. We I would love to see her tie Margaret Court even surpass her. But there's always question marks.
1: And it's interesting, you know, you say she's thirty eight. She's the only player inside the top thirty over the age of thirty as well. So that that age gap is only gonna get it only gonna get wider and it's harder as you get older to to keep that same level. You know, we saw Federer in twenty seventeen was ripping through and then you know, after Wimbledon kind of had some issues, but that age gap is, I think, a big deal. Mm -hmm. I think it is hard for those players, as they get a little older, to stay consistent when you've got, you know, Ash Barty, who's 23, and at the prime of her career, and all these other players that are just going to go out there and keep winning.
2: But do you think, too, it might be not even who she plays, but just the fact of playing high-level matches that many to win a tournament, seven, or in this case, six? Like, you have to you have to keep playing at a high level. It's almost not so much about who she playing, but just the test of playing every other day, sometimes back-to-back days. And I, I think that, so since, yeah, go ahead, Trace.
3: Since she had Olympia, she's been in four major finals. So she's 1-6. It's just that last mm. match and that last hurdle that she struggled with, where she's you know lost in two Wimbledon finals, two U.S. Open finals, all in straight sets. That, to me, I don't think almost was the tennis. It was like she locked up a bit. Maybe the equal you know tying the record and equaling the record with margaret court got into her head so i don't think it's that i always remember when chris Everett, who actually played until she was 34 I, I didn't have that opportunity to, to play forever but chris did say as you got older she felt that you just had those days where you could be inconsistent and you couldn't count on it it's just you know it, it's a lot as as you said mitch there's nobody else in the top 10 but I will say there's there's others that are close to 30. I mean, Halep's getting up there. You've got Kvitova, who's you know in her late.
1: Yeah, 20. she's 29. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, so there there are players. You've got the whole span in women's tennis. You've got Coco Gauff, who's going to turn 16 in, in in a few days. Who literally could play for another 20 years. That's incredible <laughs> to think about.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean and this could be a tournament where she makes a lot of noise as well. Well, we can we can wrap this up here. It's been a great discussion. Thanks again Tracy for spending some time with us talking tennis. Uh with some other players on the women's draw cuz this is uh this is almost a call your shot tournament. Vesnina won it a couple of years ago. Osaka was under the radar and was a wild card. Tracy and then we'll get to Ian as well. Who do you think could make a run ultimately win it that's maybe outside the uh the radar, not one of the favorites?
3: Gosh, it's it's so tough. I'm curious to see Coco Golf because it seems like every tournament that she plays, she improves. And at the US Open last year, we were talking about her, her second serve being a little attackable, her forehand not quite as consistent, not as big of a weapon as her backhand. She shored those two shots up, and I mean we all know how deep she can go. She lost the fourth round of Kennan to Kennan at at the Australian Open. So. Coco has the belief. She's has this incredible internal belief, self-confidence, whatever you want to call it. She's it's poised without being cocky. It's a, a really, she has, she monitors it perfectly. And now with turning 16, she'll be able to play a, a few extra tournaments, get a few, uh, a little bit more experience. I'm looking to see how she does. Siazek is someone from uh, Poland who I love her game. Mm. I think she's going to make a run and, to go deeper soon. I don't know when that is. By Bikina. how about Kim Price's? I think that's worth a mention. The Kimmy, fact that wow. Kim, Prices Will also be playing. I was so impressed with the way that she played against Muguruza. Her first match back in seven and a half years. <laughs> wow. And so she just needs some more matches under her belt. She played pretty well in, in Mexico, also. But after three kids, not even after seven and a half years, it's three kids. Also, yeah. I thought uh, she was really, really incredible. That's the curiosity factor for me.
1: Well, whenever it comes to women's tennis and picking favorites, Here I, I always tend to lean towards my girl Belinda yep. Bencic. Uh, I just think it, it's been... <laughs> for the whole tournament? Yeah, for for the whole tournament. Okay. Uh, I, okay, it's just Amanda. been so interesting to I've got me. got a really shocked look on my face right now. <laughs> it always goes back to Belinda for I me. Think it's, I
3: think she might have a crush on Belinda Bencic. Maybe. Maybe. Man, that could yep, be it. Maybe. unconfirmed
1: a giggle or two there. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's been interesting <laughs> to watch her rise. At the end of 2018, she was playing, you know, futures events almost in, in Las Vegas and Texas. And to make it all the way back to top 10, and I mean, she was up to four this year. I, I'm just interested to see how she kind of shows up to this tournament. And I'll be cheering for her from, you know, from the stands. Yeah, uh, we,
0: we get it.
3: We get it. We understand. But you know what? Actually, I think that's a, not a bad call because I think what you're looking for is you're looking for the Osaka. You're looking for the Andrescu. You're not looking for me to say, oh, it's going to be Barty winning Indian Wells right. for the first time. Yeah. So Simona Halep repeating because the court speed is so great for Halep. Um, so, you know, Benchitz, we you know she won in Canada a few years back beating four or five top ten players. When she gets hot, I think it was Dubai last year that she... Went yeah. through a, a number of top 10 players. So when she gets hot, uh, she definitely can take the title. She knows that she can do it. So I'm going to give you kudos on that one, Danny. All
1: right, Tracy. Nice. The The other one I'd like to bring up is uh, Maria Sakari. Sakari, she's got the game. And I, gotta, I have to think that her coach, Tom Hill, is one of the best coaches in any sport. Unbelievable. That guy I just gets Fanny's in a her head. Coach.
3: Yeah, yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah, I, I want that guy's life coach every morning. Come on, Tom, what are <laughs> you do today? Come on, how do I get over this issue?
1: He, I think he's I mean, helped her win so many matches in the past couple of years that she would have just mentally checked out of. Right. So it's been really nice to see that conversation back and forth. Yeah, she could make a run.
3: I think Tom Hill is kind of my favorite coach to listen to. He, Darren Cahill as well. I think those two, yep. as far as the way that they're able to break it down succinctly. Uh, very clear, and you see the match is turned around. Sakari, for me, I don't think has a big enough game, so she may be able to make a deep run, but I yeah. don't think she'd be able to make to, to win the whole title. But as long as I can see Tom Hill coming on, or listen to Tom <laughs> Hill coming on court, I'm happy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> I would say uh, some other names to uh, bring up, just to throw some in there. Uh, Diana Yastremska. I think she's got the yep. potential to maybe make a breakthrough, whether it's this tournament or soon. Interesting to see you mentioned court speed, Tracy, and Isamova, what she looks like at this tournament. She seems like she's getting her game back. We know she went through a lot last year, beats Fidolina this year. And i got to also shout out one final one to uh, the Tunisian treat, we'll say. Anjibor. <laughs> the
0: Tunisian oh, treat. Oh, yeah, I love her
3: style of Fun. Race. Exactly. It's, it's
2: different. different. It's so unique. You know, and, and
3: so often we just see the same back and forth and back and forth. And Ansa is so creative and uses the whole court. She'll serve a volley, she'll slice, she'll drop shots. It reminds me a little bit of Vardy.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, so, yeah, I, I think that she's starting to get confident. She's having some wins, so she believes that she can play at the high level. Uh, so, I, I agree with that one. And Anna Samova, that's a, a great call because. She hits the ball so hard, so deep. You just watch where the ball lands. It's always close to either the sidelines or to the baseline. As you've mentioned, she had a tough year with losing her dad last year, as Savalenka did. Savalenka just won big title, and she lost her dad, so she's doing it for her father. So maybe that inspiration helps get her across the finish line. There's so many backstories. And, uh, you know, Osaka, how is she going to be playing? Right. She's had kind of a, a start of the year that was good, but then it's been iffy. Um, in Fed Cup, she lost to Cerebro's Tormo 0 and 3. I know it's on play, but that's just a strange scoreline with a it. that big for Osaka. So, where is she? I just think it's, I, I always love the backstories and what the players coming in with, confidence wise and fitness wise and the coaching. Because I think, uh, Sasha Bayan can make a huge difference in your game, and I think he already has.
2: It's going to be a fun tournament. I know we can't wait. We'll, uh, We'll probably have to set up, like, a group dinner at, like, the Nobu on ground just to go over our picks. So we'll definitely see you there, Tracy. But seriously, Tracy, thanks for coming by. Tracy, Austin Hall of Famer, breaking down our picks. And we'll have to to reconvene and see how some of these go, some of our predictions go. See how wrong we were.
3: Maybe we'll be right, guys.
2: Oh, good call. You're right. Who
3: knows? Who knows? Thank you, Annette.
2: Thanks a lot, Tracy. Thanks again to Tracy Austin for coming on the TC Live podcast. Thanks to Ian Dunn for being in studio. Reminder, you can catch every episode of the Tennis Channel Live podcast on the Tennis Podcast Network. For Ian Dunn and Tracy Austin, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Tennis Channel Live podcast. We'll see you next week. Enjoy Indian Wells.